We're live. I have an announcement for the public. I uh, officially am off Facebook. Oh, low Akbar. This is. Uh, I've, I've, y- I you're actually saved yourself 20% of your life. Basically, 20% of your time <laughs> of day is going to be now freed up. I think uh, last two weeks I had enough of nonsense. I've actually I permanently deleted my Facebook. Yeah. It was very difficult. You know what? Mm-hmm. Facebook gives you like 15 days to basically get back on Facebook, mm-hmm. even if you delete it. So they're basically saying that you had some kind of conscious attack and we're going to give you two weeks to get over it. Yeah, right. just in right. case. So what yeah. I had to actually do is I, I first changed my password. I copy-pasted it into another notepad. It's just so I didn't know it. Then I had I like wrote a bunch of letters and then I copy pasted it back in. Then I had to change my like security questions just in case I go back in. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know anything, mm-hmm. and then I just permanently deleted it. So that, that's the only way off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so today. Um, so how was your first day off though? What was it like? Shamil was trying to get in touch <laughs> think, with him and couldn't. <laughs> well, yeah, so we were supposed to have Shamil on today, Malik, but unfortunately he couldn't make it. And he couldn't get in contact with me because apparently I'm only oh available on Facebook. Um, so it was uh, – I, I, don't, I don't think it's hit me yet. Like do you have – but do you have like uh, reason, things where you're like you're reaching for your pocket – to look at to look at your thing and yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually oh, at work I have a habit. I'll always just type in F A right and it and it like so it'll it'll go Facebook. to Facebook right. That's yeah. funny. So I did I did it a couple of times. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like that's when I realized it was like a muscle memory. It's like, a, it's like a, what's it called? A smoker reaching for his pack of cigarettes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I actually bought a burner phone as well. Like uh, what is that? Like the dumb phone. Like, like the one oh, you like have. mine. Oh, okay. Phones. Why do they call the them phone. burner phones? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll 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 let you know. After Basically, the oh, what is that? So <laughs> it's a, it's a phone that criminals use. Oh, I see. It's okay. untraceable. You buy them at like Seven yeah. Eleven. Uh, oh, oh and then you track you phones stick or it, You stick in a SIM card. Yeah, and pay yeah. 10 use bucks. it for now. Yeah. And when when you're on it for yeah. long enough that you toss it and you get a new phone, you burn it. I got. But they're like dumb phones essentially. Yeah. So I bought one of those. Or just phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought yeah. one of those. That was I used it for a day, yeah. but now it doesn't take the SIM card probably, so I had to get a new one. Oh. Uh, Why don't you just switch your number to that? But I had to get a new number then. No, no, no. Like just change, tell the, you tell the your company, tell your Verizon, your Verizon. They uh, always go, have go at least to, one dumb phone uh, uh, available. No, no you just go to Verizon or... You just take the SIM card out and yeah, put it Yeah, I could take my SIM card out and just put it in the new one, but it didn't work. Oh, it didn't like work it, like yeah, that. so I had to get a new okay. one. But I used that for a day when it did work, and it was fantastic. I'm telling you. I read a book. I'm telling I, like, you. What did I do? I did like arts and crafts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was We're like, going to find like Moyen fishing like, someday. I was like, man, I'm painting. It's great. He's going to get lost. He won't be able to get home. No GPS. So we're talking about an interesting topic today, actually. Um, so we're talking about miracles. Um, Critical. Dua and the belief in the unseen. Love. So one thing that boggles my mind, mm-hmm. and this is what what really took me over the edge to quit Facebook. There's a page on there called God. I don't know if you guys have seen it. And so oh, they're mocking. No, no, no. It's, it's a page... And it's God, and they'll write like quotes, and it's supposed to be God speaking. It's supposed it's to like, be, and it's like nuggets of wisdom. They actually from, be- believers did this, like some know. kind of Christian. Believers I think it's a com- it's a comedian, but like it's like supposed to be nuggets of wisdom from God, and they have a picture of an old man, yeah. right, uh, with a beard, and, and he's white and, too, and, right? Yeah, and the tag is the Good Lord above, 
in a white wow. guy. Yeah. Nothing wrong Blue with eyes. people being white, but God, why would he be white? And yeah. favor one so race this is what took other. me over the edge yeah. because or I re- oh, yeah <laughs> a human yeah. period yeah this is what took me over the edge and I and this really sparked why I wanted to do today's episode yeah because this idea of the way people understand God mm-hmm. Allah is really a judeo-christian understanding yeah. and based on this it really is the beginning of the framework that takes people to stop believing That's in the unseen true. because they Very don't true. even understand Allah in That's a way true. that he is he is unseen, mm-hmm. right? He's not an old man with a white beard in the sky. Yeah. We don't believe in this, yeah. right? We believe in an unseen Lord. Not, not, not be. You can't witness him with your eyes or hear him with your ears, right? Yeah. Or sense him with your senses. So, like when atheists will say, like, "Show me God. Let yeah, me yeah. touch him. Let me feel him." Yeah. This doesn't happen for us. You can't touch God. And then that's uh, compounded by the constant phrase Judeo-Abrahamic or Abraham Abrahamic religion, where there's only one Abrahamic religion on the earth today, which is Islam. Even uh, Quran tells us about this constant lumping of the three. مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُدِيًا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَلَمْ يَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ So they say, Abraham, he was not a Jew and he's not a Christian. Telling us these two, they are not on Abraham, Abraham's, uh, Ibrahim's path. Part of the, not part of the Abrahamic religions. But Muslims you know? love, love that love label this. because it makes them feel... Closer to let me just it say makes it, them feel, it makes them feel confirmed yeah. by association with people that are disbelievers. Yeah. Which doesn't that. make any sense. Or maybe they just like white people. That uh, that's what that's what I was <laughs> what about did to I just say. say. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say it makes them feel closer to whites because if you're gonna go to uh uh, uh you know, Af- if you're a Muslim minority in Africa, right? In Africa, where there are a lot of Christians, I guarantee you're not gonna have interfaith. Yeah. Right? You're not gonna have interfaith. Why would we have interfaith? They're, they're poor, right? They're not conquerors, right? They're not the people who that we have the inferiority complex to, right? They're not going to have interfaith. And so this is something that I want to talk about in regards to miracles as well. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to the belief in the unseen, mm-hmm. right, we tend to think that Many things in the unseen, we, we get into this idea that unless we see it, and we talked about this in another lecture, mm-hmm. in another podcast, right? Unless we see it, feel it, hear it, touch it, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. And a lot of people deny miracles. There's actually a firqa, right? The Qadiani that deny miracles. They say that they're all just metaphors. And so are the Mu'tazla. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we don't, we, don't, we don't say this, right? Yeah. We do believe in the miracles. Ghaib miracles. is the most important uh, feature, so much so. The first attribute of a mu'min in the whole Qur'an is they believe in the unseen. Exactly. First attribute of, the, of a mu'min. So I want to start at one thing I found really interesting. When I was, uh, so we, we, when, when I was recording the, the Qur'an for Safina Society, one thing I found really interesting that hit me as I was recording Surah Yusuf, mm. right? Um, just, just trying, just while I was recording this, the, the, the surah, right? I was sitting in a little closet upstairs, right? Cause we didn't have a studio. So I was recording uh-huh. inside of my closet, uh-huh. right? Uh, <laughs> underneath clothes. Cause <laughs> it was like a well, walk-in. That's, that's excellent to, to, to was, absorb the echo. Exactly. So yeah. I did it to absorb the echo and it was a very like, uh, uplifting experience as uh-huh. I read through the whole surah. Right. And I got to the line Right, that Allah 
is subtle. Right? Mm-hmm. Allah is Latif. And one thing that happens throughout the story that I realize is Yusuf salam, right? He goes through this extraordinary experience, mm-hmm. right? Thrown into a well by his brothers, taken out, right? He's then put into jail. Lots of things happen, right? And then at the end of the surah, right? Allah says that that He did this. But if you look, right, there is no. It's very drastic. You're saying there is no like drastic, like like a bus fell from the sky yeah. type miracle that happens in the story of uh, Surah Yusuf. Yeah. It's very subtle. Yeah. But Allah says at the end of the surah, right? I did this. Mm. Right. Like this happened because of me. And mm. Yusuf al-Islam says like Allah is, you know, my Lord is very subtle. Subhanallah. Right. Allah. And so this the is, lessons that come are coming from sources that you would never imagine. And that's where I, while I was reading it, and I remember I was sitting there recording it, I realized like how Allah is subtle in all of our affairs, yeah. even in the miracles that we do. Yeah. E- even in the miracles that exist, right? Yeah. That sometimes, you know, we think that, like nobody would say that that Yusuf al-Islam's story is not a miracle. But the way we understand it is different from like the miracle falling, yeah. a bus falling from the sky. So it's your, what you're saying is that it was gradual over years that brought you something you could never have imagined right. uh, just a few decades earlier. And it's earlier. the greatest of all stories, right? Yeah. According to the Quran. And, and that's not to say that you know, crazy miracles like people walking on water, which we'll talk about in a moment, yeah. right? Don't exist. Definitely but, do. But mm-hmm. it's how Allah builds up this yeah. belief in the unseen, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what I want to hit on today is mm. is what is the unseen and how do we understand it? Actually, I mean, something that's happened slowly over time will uh, engender more iman that's because true. it gives you time mm-hmm. to think about it, to contemplate it. To stew. Yeah, to stew. And also when it's something that's related to your actions. So that you're thinking and you're sort of, if something that's just happened outside of yourself, right, um, there, there's less thought about it. When you, you're the ones who's doing it, you know, you're thinking, you know, look where I started, look all these little things happened, right, and now look where I've gone, and now you need to thank someone, right, because everyone gets a feeling that they need to thank someone at any, this is actually one of the big problems atheists have. Like when you, when something great happens in life, it's a natural instinct that you need to express gratitude and praise, right? Right. So they, that's one of their big problems. They think mm-hmm. the universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do. It's so silly. I find it really interesting. Someone was telling me, maybe it might have been you, Dr. Chadli, where you said that, like, in Islam, we don't believe in, like, real atheists. Atheists don't exist. Everybody has a god. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody has an, a, a higher, force, higher force. So, like, in our belief and even the the people of kalam in the past the mutakallimun they didn't they didn't address atheists because we don't believe in atheists yeah you're not even accepted you are worshiping something exactly you have a thought structure yeah right? yeah whether you created it whether it's abstract whether it's a piece of wood or stone or it's an idea or it's your own pleasures and your own self you you the human being is a god making creature in other words he has to serve something yeah well it's telling that this kind of atheism that we're talking about now, this total disbelief or mm-hmm. claim of total disbelief, only comes about after the scientific revolution. Yeah. And what people really believe in is science. They're not giving up religion at all. Yeah. They just found a new one exactly. and one in which they're the deity. Yeah. So exactly. But and it's not. It's still religion. You still there's still excommunication. Of um, course, there's uh, there's dogma that you have to yeah, follow. Yeah, there are do- there's dogma. Some of it on blind faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. And they have uh, their own methods too, and methods displace other methods. For example. 
there was a time period where if you didn't believe that the universe was static, right, you were out. Out. But then, and eventually, someone broke through and said, "No, the universe is is uh, expanding, right?" Then they found that expanding at a faster rate, right? It's so, which actually is a problem because if you're saying there was a bang, then there should be like a firework. It expands really quick, and then and then slowly, yeah. yeah. But then these, they're actually discovered that it's expanding, it's fasting, yeah. faster. So uh, there's dogma, and there's excommunication, and yeah. even like. Nationally, there is always a national narrative right. that if you go against it, you're the weirdo. I mean, uh, I mean, today, uh, yesterday, all the commercials that uh, the degree of diversity is almost nauseating. To be honest with you, like you're really purposely going so far out of the way. And now it's uh, it's nice in a sense, right? It's nice. Okay, everyone's included. We're feeling nice and everything. But for at, for me as a Muslim and always someone who's got an eye on aqida. And we should all have an eye on Aqidah, right? right? I'm always thinking like diversity is great in things that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. Diversity makes no sense in things that are in your control and are mutually exclusive. So you're actually disrespecting everyone at that point, right? Yeah. So basically if I'm telling... So what's out of your control? Your ethnicity, for example, right? The kind of clothes your culture wears. Who cares? All that's fine, right? Who cares about that stuff? But... Uh, the uh, things like religions, right? Things like religions when, or things like uh, uh, that are moral in nature. Mm-hmm. When you're telling us we're, we have to include everyone, you're, what you're basically saying is no one has the right to believe that they're correct. Yeah, it's pure right? moral, moral relativism. Yeah, and it's also you're forcing people to basically say that on things that we choose, right? Very important choices in life, like how to live, that I can't going that I'm sort of somehow wrong or discriminatory if I want to hang out with the people who believe the same things I believe or want to live life the way that I believe it should be lived, right? So that's basically what pe- what these messages, in while they seem very nice on the outside, right, initially, but if you start thinking deeply about the message that it's giving, you're almost forcing something down people's throats that they don't want. Yeah, and right? and and. The narrative that exists in the world today and the understanding of things that we have, it leads people into a very material, empirical understanding of the world. And one thing that's really interesting that, you know, that uh, Mufti Azim said when he came to MBIC a few weeks ago is that the Dajjal, Mm. right, he will focus on physical, material understanding. Mm -hmm. And when people don't have that yakin in the in the unseen, Mm -hmm. right. He'll show you Jannah, and really it's the fire, and he'll show you the fire, and really it's Jannah. Isn't there, yeah. isn't there some story? This about is the drinking? hadith that he said that the Jad, he will show you a, a river of cool, sweet looking water, and a river of lava. Right. So, like literally a river of fire, which is lava. So then he said, uh, the Prophet said, if the Dajjal gives you an option, choose the fire. Shut mm-hmm. your eyes. The hadith says, you shall shut your eyes, right? And sip from the fire and you will find it cool water. So imagine that. So he's basically telling you everything that Dajjal comes with. We see Dajjal. Everything he comes with, do the opposite of it. And is he, he the, is tricking you and lying. And 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 that's crazy hearing that because mm-hmm. that in itself implies that you need to know the unseen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to believe in it, right? Yeah. Even if it's staring you right in front of your face mm-hmm. that this is fire. You have to have you. firm knowledge. 
of that unseen. And how are we going to know unseen, right? You can't speculate the unseen. The only way to know the unseen is the prophet who told you, the prophet who saw it, right? And he's telling you. Right. The prophet who e who either saw it himself or was informed by the angel Jibreel, alayhi yeah. salam. This is not a guessing game. This is why ilm of hadith is extremely important. Studying is extremely important, right? Spirituality is not by feelings. It's actually yeah. the bedrock of it is by studying because the unseen, no one's seen the unseen. So everyone's speculating and guessing, right? So we need firm knowledge and certainty. And you know, there's a whole other level at which this operates, which is that what, when you're talking about the unseen, you're talking about actual reality. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about this life, you're talking about our brain-limited mm -hmm. ability to comprehend yeah. and perceive, right? Mm -hmm. So our perception, I mean, taking religion aside, if you just look at it at the, uh, what the scientists say, there's things that we can't see with the human eye that other physical creatures can see. Mm -hmm. There's light spectrums. There's sounds we can't, we don't, we can't oh, hear. Yeah. There's frequencies we don't have access to, right? So we're limited by, our, and the way that our brain can process things, we're limited by all of those things. Mm -hmm. Even even physicists are now saying that time seeming linear to us, right? Mm -hmm. This is just because our brains are limited to taking in information and processing it as future, present, and past, when in reality it's not like that. And this uh, is what we believe yeah. anyway, right? <clears throat> so the unseen is actually the descriptions of real reality, and this is actually yeah. the virtual fake reality. Or even so like, not believing in the unseen is not believing in the right, real. Right. SubhanAllah. So you're saying is the ghaib is, is more, is more real than actually what we see? Yeah, of course. I've heard Ormak describe what, you know, you, you meet your Lord, you die, you're buried, and then you awaken to hyper-reality, true reality. SubhanAllah. And even this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, people are asleep in their life here. It's just they're asleep. And if they die, they wake up and see the truth. Yeah. And the likeness of this life and the next is the likeness of the dream to the wake, wakeful state. You know, the dream, you definitely see stuff. No one, no one denies that you see stuff in dreams. You can even right. feel and touch and smell and taste everything in dreams. But you wake up and you realize that wasn't real. There's actually no proof of that, right? So basically, uh, once we die and we go to the next life, we're going to realize this life that we're thinking is three-dimensional and we're touching it and feeling it and doing all these things is, 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 is also nothing in comparison. This is almost an aside, but it's, it's, it's relative and it's important. It's related and it's important to interject. You know that almost all of the scientists that made uh, or are credited with big discoveries, they were dealing with uh, perceptions or what they called, you know, connections to the unseen. So, so scientist like, karama, basically. Yeah. So, like, for instance, um, Crick and Watson, who discovered the, the, the double helix for the DNA. Oh, yeah. You got it. saw it in a dream. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, he saw it they in were a struggling dream. for years. Mm. What's the structure of this thing? Yeah. How does it work? He had a wow. dream, saw the double helix, woke up, wrote it down, it. Re researched and said, yeah, that's actually, the, the, it's yeah. correct. Until they were able to... There's, your, there's your miracle. Yeah. By the way... Um, uh, uh, the evolution guy, Darwin. Dar no, no, no. The Darwin. the first oh, Darwin. Uh, Darwin. No, Darwin. Chuck Darwin. Yeah, yeah Darwin. Um, Darwin and his partner. He had a partner who, in his uh, research, who you never hear about. No, not six. But like in his research, you never hear about <laughs> this guy. <laughs> he said, "Not, not, not an alternate lifestyle partner." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make sense because every two every two weeks, there's a movie about some old figure that we grew up with. It turns out he was gay, right? By the way, there is fishy stuff if you look at his biography. Like, 
there was like four families in the UK that they only would intermarry into each other, mm. and Darwin's was part of that. That's but that's mean. a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, these guys were doing like channeling, which was very popular back then, uh. which is kind of like when you're you go into a trance state and you have spirits mm. come through so you and tell gym, you stuff. Basically, a hundred percent. So they were doing that yeah. when they were developing the theory of natural selection. Yeah. And it's like it's that. It's the guys who the guy who developed uh the rocket fuel. The way that the reason that we can send rockets into space. Really? Yeah, that guy was part part of Alistair Crowley's group out in California, the same. You're kidding. They actually say some guy like came to his dream, a guy is he said his name was Ad Dajjal. Right. <laughs> who said that? Crowley? The the guy who made the jet fuel. Yeah, really? that guy was. It's a, on his Wikipedia. hundred percent a Satanist. Not he. Sad. Take that out. He, he wasn't even like <laughs> hiding up, about it. Like he was an open Satanist. So, so, so some of them were Satanists. Or so, so your point though is basically that first of all they were, they were all, all it's all super rational sources. All super rational sources. Yeah. Even um, good, bad, or neutral. Nikola Tesla. Yeah. He really it. believed that he was getting signals from outer space, from another planet wow. or another galaxy, and that's where he was developing his science wow. of electricity. See, here's the thing, though. People might always wonder, all right, so so how do we understand it if a kafir is saying that they have these inspirations? And the inspiration is, let's say, true, neutral, or um, not problematic, or not even immoral. Well, the the answer, the automa answered that in the past. They answered it in a couple ways. Firstly, in the Quran, there were pagans. Has the Quran give us an example of pagans that were on the sea, and then the sea is uh, flipping their boat over, basically? So they finally they prayed to Allah. They made it on land. So Allah said He answered their prayer, He gave them life, right? He saved their lives, and then they went and they became pagans again, right? So in this, Allah is clearly telling us, and the ulama confirm that if someone calls out to Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Azza wa Jal answers him, right? This answering does not indicate that he is from uh, people of Jannah or that his theology is correct. It's of very course. True. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that his theology is. We're just having a millennial moment here where I'm talking to, to a room and everyone's on their phone or. So the guy's texting. name is Jack Parsons. <laughs> the, we're all trying to confirm Jack Parsons. Jack. All right, Moe, tell me about this. So, so there's a guy named Jack Parsons. Okay. Uh, he's a rocket engineer uh-huh. and he had a dream. Right, uh, I can't find on the. So he had a dream. It was Here, on the. It, I got. I you got, got it. it. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. <clears throat> so, this is what it says. <clears throat> Unable to pursue. So this is this is apparently after his scientific career was over. This is what the Wikipedia page says. Uh, unable to pursue his scientific career without his wife and devoid of friendship. That's a great way to begin, right? <laughs> Parsons decided to return to occultism and embarked on a. Magical, okay. This is, uh, I don't even know. Well, the first jet was, um, 1946. Yeah, but anyways, anyways, point is, right, apparently he had a dream and, and someone came to him and told him, you know, about Does it jet say food. that, does he say the dream? Do, uh, following his appearance and success in doing so, Parsons recounted having an out of, bo- out of body experience invoked by, Babylon, who astrally transported him to the biblical city of Chorazin in an experience he referred to as the Black Pilgrimage. <laughs> this is this, <laughs> so this is actually the yeah. top scientist that our whole civilization, yeah. really, yeah. global civilization, relies on his work, right? Yeah, and he, he's he's speaking about this. He made an oath, and he professed to embody an entity named Belarian Arnilius al Dajjal. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, the Antichrist who am coming. I told to you. You're joking. The 
the law of the beast 666. But anyways, so basically this guy, this guy is ridiculous. This guy is What is this? <laughs> what is this? Can you tell us tell, tell everyone what his scientific I can, I can, credentials are? I can barely read this paragraph. It doesn't make any sense. Read, um, tell us about his scientific credentials so, so people could see. So Jack Parsons was an American rocket engineer and rocket propulsion researcher, chemist, and and the last thing is an ethelamite occultist. I don't oh, even know what that so, means. Okay, but, so basically like yeah. Stanford guy, California or something? Right. Uh, well, he's Caltech. A, he's a Caltech, Caltech graduate. Okay. Jet, jet propulsion, NASA, NASA's uh, jet propulsion laboratory. You're kidding. So um, yeah, the thelamites were the followers of Aleister Crowley, who's a British guy, but he spent time in North America, specifically in California. Yeah. California. Among his acolytes are L. Ron Hubbard so, mm -hmm. and George Gurdjieff, who was yeah. one of the precursors to the Marianite, the, the, the Matamia. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they count actually, him among the influences. You're kidding. So in no. this oath that he, that he's talking about, he refers to the Beast 666, and in parentheses, he's referring to Aleister Crowley. <laughs> oh, my. So Aleister Crowley is actually, he, he was a chief Satanist at the time, yeah. but actually I think on the, his deathbed, he regretted, he realized he made a huge mistake. Did I'm you sure. see something like that? Sad, look that up for us. Alistair Crowley actually regretted. Yeah. He said, I, I totally messed up. Right? I, saw, I, I worked he to did. the wrong side my whole life. Yeah. Just check it. I think I yeah. might have the people right so, or wrong. So what's the deal scientists, yeah. and they're yeah. into the occult, and they're into uh, worshiping Satan, and they're yeah. into all this kind of stuff. And by the way, the Church of Scientology. What are we looking up about yeah. this Founded guy? by a guy who was with Alistair Crowley for a number of really? years. I don't, I don't, I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're and they have a big up. influence in, in Hollywood. Yeah, they're huge. The Scientologists well, have a big they, influence They always channel... They do this channeling so they when they act. Yeah. The best actors, they all do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to detract us. I, I had a feeling that we would get distracted yeah. on this. Well, well, but this is, this is important, right? Because we're talking about the unseen, belief in the unseen, belief in um, miracles, belief in the influence of the unseen in mm -hmm. the in oh, this yeah. material yeah. physical world. Yeah. And what we're saying is even uh, if you really go to it, the awliya of the science community all actually participated in this kind of stuff. It's only the plebes. Yeah. That are like we just believe in what we can see. Yeah. Your leaders believed in stuff they couldn't yeah. see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and what but I what I think is important is is to mention that um, non-believers, right? People who are not on the right path, they can have their prayers answered, right? Uh -huh. And they could have out of body experience. They could have things talking to them. They could think even for like something good, like his career. Right. Like you said, the guy with the uh, the DNA, right? That's mm -hmm. not like evil or anything. But the be, reason being is that when people work hard at something, Allah gives them their reward. It's guaranteed, right? Allah says, what is injustice for Allah is that you do something, you do something good, and you don't get your reward for it, right? right. The kafir and the munafiq and the Muslim will all get the reward of the good that they do. The question is, in this life or the next, right? So that's right. the one thing. Second thing is that uh, anyone who prays to God, Muslim, let's pagan, Jewish, or Christian, anyone who prays to God, right? Allah can answer him because that's also an act and, and you're going to get something back for it. It's so when people hear about people having visions, miracles, they should never take that the, possession, the presence of a miracle or a dream equals correct theology and path to God. Of course not. This is the no. biggest problem. And this piece of ignorance of this basic Aqidah point is why proto-Islamic groups in America, proto-Islamic Sufi groups in America, uh, they oh, wow. saw a guy who felt made him feel good. He had a dream the next day. Uh, his prayer was answered. Bang. So everything in this book must be the truth. This is a simple mistake, right? right. Very simple mistake. Yeah. Abu Hanifa says in his his uh, book of Aqidah, 
probably the first book of Aqidah ever written, right? He says, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he could uh, suspend the norms, which we would call miracle, for non-believers, right? Mm, right. It's as an istidraj. And that Allah azza wa jal answers the needs of people, whether Muslim, Kafir, or Jewish, or what have you. If they ask him, he answers them, right? Doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't mean at all that this is yeah. a sign that you are on the right track and that your afterlife is sound, yeah. right? This is what, the, the, the sign that you're on the right track and your afterlife is sound is your closeness to the sunnah of his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inward, yeah. outward, and everything. So this is something very important because when we go into the world of uh, miracles or uh, unseen and whatnot, people, many people have claims and they're even possible to deny sometimes and sometimes you might believe them, right? Yeah. But you have to know that's not a... a right. There's, there's nothing on this guy's like deathbed or last words. He didn't, so it wasn't yeah, him. Maybe I don't, it was I don't someone see else. anything where he reversed any of his positions. Oh, okay. He was also a big one of the early proponents of bisexuality. Yeah, Crowley. Really, yeah. Crowley. Yeah. So yeah. that's the other thing. This I've read two for two now. These guys always have some strange like perversion. Yeah. So yeah, like some strange sexual stuff related to like why is that. Yeah. I, I mean that's so huge. Hubbard also, yeah. Hubbard, yeah. Uh, Hubbard yeah. also had like a lot of sexual deviance. Yeah. But then he commanded his his followers to never do anything that's really? even like remotely wow. risque. Yeah. Wow. yeah, it's it's a whole thing, man. Well, the thing is that Shaitan, one of his biggest pathways, in order for him to get to a person, that person has to be filthy sexually, right? So this is a huge, big deal. And I believe actually all the anxiety that we're feeling every day. There's an executive order. No one knows what's going on, right? It's absolute insanity. You can't. The, the whole country's a big downer now, right? Like, America's actually a downer. I feel it's all right. It's not... What's that? I feel right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on the Safina Society podcast, we're, we're actually uh, fine. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're good, but... Like, people, people, are, people are all anxious, people are all messed up, their moods are out of whack, they're concerned about basic things, right? Mm -hmm. This is all that. This is a punishment, right? Think about mm -hmm. what we've been talking about. What have we been talking about of all the immorality that's been going on? Um, we, Muslim connects the two. We connect the two, right? We, this is not just uh, linear stuff. We connect it all together and we realize we're not going to get to enjoy a good life when there's this much disobedience to God. You're not going to enjoy it. There's not liberty and immorality. They can never come together. That's right. right. You know? And um, I, I, I'm... Um... So I was. We were actually supposed to have Yusuf on this podcast. Uh, we didn't realize. We were Shemel, you mean? Um, the one in our way. Oh, Yusuf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he he's probably. Oh, because he wanted to talk about karamat and awliya and what. He he did, and I, we did this last minute. And, oh, it's okay. Uh, we could bring him on another. Time. Yeah, inshallah, I'll come. Over. But I want to throw that in there. This was his idea. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but essentially oh my gosh what the heck is going on what did you just look up what, it, what, ah, these guys, these what, what is this oh my goodness it's that protest sign that it's a protest sign it's yeah. the one that i sent to you oh guys my before. gosh what is wrong with dude, people this is not acceptable. i can't even read it on this the, is the not podcast no, no, we, unfortunately no our listeners here you're listening to something it's, uh, it's, alex just showed me one this, of these it's beyond discussion so. yeah one of these uh uh protests at the women's march yeah. Uh, which I've been telling people, you follow these activists down the road, you're putting basically using a software on a computer that's going to give you a virus. So, but this... Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, secular activism. <laughs> sec secular activism uh, is this type of software built for the atheist hard drive, right? For atheist hardware. It's not built for Muslim hardware. If, you have a, if you're a Muslim and a mu'min and a believer... Right, then your activism has to be your. You have to design your own. 
your own form of everything. Because this poster that he just showed me about uh, basically a woman putting up uh, a sign saying Muslim you know, women, w- Muslim women grab back. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't it, women. It was, it was something else. It was a else. for for women. Yeah. So uh, I mean, please, jeez, unbelievable. That's wow. terrible. And she's yeah. smiling while holding it up. What is wrong with people? Anyways, how does <laughs> I've never seen Muslim and that word which Trump used right that he right in the same. How do you write that with the same marker? I don't get that. And and display it proudly for millions. Unbelievable. Yeah. How are you gonna have baraka in anything? That's it. That's exactly the point. This is yeah. But anyways, yeah. um, so now that we've spoken about the unseen, what that is, right? I would also argue that a lot of the way that we learn Islam. Going back to my original point about the Judeo-Christian version of God, then this lack of the belief in the unseen has led actually a lot of the way we learn Islam today. Yeah. And I'm going to just call it out here. A lot of the, the, the recent da'wah that, that's happened, there's a lack of the unseen. Of and course. especially a lack in the miracles of the awliya, lack in, for example, uh, we, we have a, a thing in our family like, you know, if you lose something, you read Surah Yasin, like they, they call it, like uh, you read it seven times mm-hmm. from the beginning, and then there's a certain way to read it, you'll find the item that you've lost, mm-hmm. right? And they do this in my family, and they be- and we believe it, yeah. right? But you tell this to people, they, they'll tell you this is a bidah, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is impossible, mm-hmm. right? That this, this couldn't happen. I remember Sheikh Yahya was saying, uh, you know, if, if you're in a, in a state of fear and you read La ilaha Quraysh, right, the fear will go away. SubhanAllah. Right. Allah. So... Yeah. We believe in these things, yeah, right? So, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, the mujizat or miracles for prophets is something that is out of the norm, right? Not not empirically based by someone who claims to be a prophet, and a karama is something that happens out of the norm that is not materially based by someone who does not claim to be a prophet, right? That's the difference between a karama and a mujizat. It's the only main difference between a mujizat and a karama, and. The reason is that Allah Azza wa Jal, He uses cause and effect in His creation, and He uses kun fekun. And a mu'min, in order to know that Allah, to, as a reminder and a gift to show that Allah Azza wa Jal is the creator of cause and effect in this whole universe, that sometimes Allah gives His awliya karamat, or gives a mu'min karamat, and which shows him and reminds him Allah is the creator of all of this. Do not rely on cause and effect solely. Or do not, actually I shouldn't say do not rely because we're supposed to rely upon it. But do not depend upon it. And do not think that your fate lies in the balance of what your senses see. Your fate lies in the balance of what Allah wills. Even if it looks like the whole world is against you. But Allah is with you. Then, uh, you know, this is what our iman is supposed to be built, built on. And this is why Mawjiz Karamat is actually something really uh, important. And that's why you'll find it in every Aqidah book. Mm-hmm. Karamat are not only that someone walks on water or someone uh, took a rock and made it into a gold coin, right? This is not what the karamat is limited to. Like you just talked about, the whole life of Yusuf salam, is one big karama, right? Right? Mawjiza, because he was a prophet. How many people's lives went from rags to riches and, and, and from the bottom to the top? His whole life is a karama, right? I, my, my becoming a Muslim, only when I looked at it in retrospect, I could see all the steps that led me to a specific place and to be around specific people at a specific time. Mm-hmm. And by the way, 
It was a windy road. Sometimes full with big potholes and big having to go backwards, right? Yeah. Like big challenges and difficulties that at the time seemed like the worst thing that had happened in my young life yeah. only to put me in exactly that place. And it, Allah could have made it in, down an easy road, but that yeah. was a way to reinforce the reality of it for me. So, and I mean, I've even heard Sheikh Noah Keller say, Karamas happen all the time. Every du'a that's answered is a karama. Subhanallah, yeah. Right? Like you asked and something happened. Yeah. yeah. This is a karama. Subhanallah. So it, and he uses exactly, he says, it's not just walking on water. Yeah. It's, Subhanallah. It's an everyday occurrence in people's lives and they just need to be able to recognize yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, uh, people, uh, w when we believe in karamat uh, in the correct way and don't react to it in the wrong way, right? Uh, then it's actually a huge for force and source of strengthening people's iman, mm. right? And if we relegate everything to a coincidence, right, then what's the difference between us, us and, and non-believers? The other yeah. day, I was thinking to myself, uh, I was thinking to myself, I have to read my hizb, my daily portion, right? And something in my nafs was lazy, and I was like, astaghfirullah, right? You can't be lazy, you got to do it. So I uh, said, I'm going to do it. But right when I was saying that, I got a, uh, a message. Someone asked me something about the dua of Prophet Ibrahim. Someone had asked me about it. Uh, so I opened to my hizb, right? And the poor, the first verses of the hizb was Sayyidina Ibrahim and his dua. Allahu Akbar. Which is like, to me, saying, subhanAllah, it's mm -hmm. as if Allah is saying, yeah. you have that moment, push on, right? Keep Forging on with your right. with your dhikr, right? Yeah. And if you keep saying, oh, it's just a coincidence, then you sound yeah. like an atheist. Yeah. There right? is no coincidence. Even, Subhanallah. Even the way we understand cause and effect, for example, not even situations where things are, um, you know, so something unexpected happens, but I'm talking about situations where, you know, 99 times you do something and you expect a certain mm -hmm. result. Even the way we understand that is, is that, you know, there's there's no causal link between the cause and the effect. It's that God is directly involved yeah. in each of these transactions that yeah. we see, right? And that, and, and and there and, and there's so many transactions that occur for every minute to be as it is. That if you benefit from any anything, you realize how many elements are involved. You realize this would have been impossible if, if a human or a supercomputer tried to calculate it. Right. Yeah, and, and some, some one point that I'm going to throw in there, uh, lest anyone is confused, right? Uh, and, and this is shocking to a lot of people because a lot of people don't know this. Mm -hmm. As Muslims, we believe that Allah is the creator of both the cause and mm -hmm. the effect. So for example, right, when a fire is burning, right, right. Allah has the ability to stop the fire from burning as he did when Ibrahim was mm -hmm. thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. So when we say that a pen is thrown, right? Yeah. Allah is both the creator of the action of the throwing mm -hmm. and the pen moving through the air. Right. Yeah. Right? right. And so when we say a miracle happens, right, Allah is both the creator of the action and the miracle. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so this is something that a lot of people don't understand. So what is right? what it is not is deism, basically. Right. right. Which is that he created and then he spun the wheel and there or made the clock, put the battery in and left it. Right. And this That's is, an, is another another uh that result. idea is called atomism, by the way, if, if people want to look the, at it. The one that Moeen was talking yeah. about. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this concept that Dr. Shadi just talked about, this is another one of the terrible results of the anthropomorphism found in the Old Testament and in, and in the practice of the Christians, mm. which is 
if God is a man, no matter how big and how far in the sky, how could he keep all these balls yeah. up in the air at the same right. time? It yeah. just doesn't compute for us because we can't do it. Yeah. And look at how smart we are. <laughs> By the way, how did you know that was atomism? I, mean, I thought you worked in Verizon or graphic design. <laughs> how, supposed to, how, we, how would you know about yeah, something I like read, atomism, man? man? Re- what do you like? Uh, read. He's like, <laughs> I, No, like honestly, I didn't know you read time. that stuff. No, no, I, yeah, no, I mean, in his spare time. I like, the, the Sad li- is a guy who comes in a sports car and Jordans, <laughs> right? He's a graphic designer <laughs> for Verizon. The, the and had no Verizon, clue. The, <laughs> how would you know about SRE atomism? The limited amount that I do know... You know, I'll share, but as, as limited as, as it may be, but, you know. He's been on MuslimPhilosophy.com reading. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's reading, like, yeah. Fakhruddin yeah. Al-Razi. Yeah. Like, or Magic Fakhruddin. Yeah. 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 Who's a Christian? That's what I do, man. Is he? He's a Christian. Allah, why? why? Okay, this is a total Allah. subject. Yeah. Why are all these Arab Christians yeah, experts in Islamic stuff? They're obsessed with Islam. Uh, Just the, convert, the man. from Columbia, McGill, what's his name? Uh, Islamic law. Uh, oh. Halak. Yeah, why? 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 Hello, Christian. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? I know. Exactly. I don't know why any. It's a whole other topic. I don't know why yeah. anybody who know who has access to the Quran yeah. in its original language and lives amongst the Muslims mm-hmm. is not a Muslim. I don't understand how anyone of another faith could spend thirty years from nine to five studying another faith that you don't <laughs> believe in. Why? Unless the CIA is paying you so that we can know them and destroy them. There is no justification for this waste of time. George Mukdesi. Yeah. Oh, he's another Arab Christian. Yeah. Unbelievable. Are these secret Muslims, you think? What's going on? Allah. Or you're the secret Muslim or you're intelligent yet weird. So this is one thing. (laughs) Just just the last thing about this. All people that study Islam in academia are weird and questionably Muslim. No doubt about that. (laughs) So actually, I just answered my own question. Because there's no way that you're going the academic route to know about Islam and then... Yeah, it's weird. It's weirdness. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Weird. I apologize for yeah. cutting both of you guys off. No problem. You know, um, no, we no don't need to change the subject. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the this is something actually that bothered me for years. Alhamdulillah, until I met Dr. Shetty. <laughs> um, that this idea of people knowing about Islam, you know, intellectually, yet they never really got into the faith. And I'm going to tell you what actually got me mm-hmm. over this idea there is this idea of information and there's this idea of and mm-hmm. right knowledge right and i heard a beautiful story by Shay, you know of sheikh abdul qadir jailani cool. right he was uh giving a dars a bayan and uh one day his son comes to him you know and he says you know i want to give the dars today mm. and he says you know you're not you're not ready Right. He's like, no, 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 you know, I've, I've learned the sciences, you know, I, I know what I'm doing and I, I want to give the dars. So he says, okay, you know, you can, you can give the dars today. Okay. So his son, he, he gets there, uh, he starts talking, some of the students start yawning. There's like thousands <laughs> of students, right? They start yawning, wow. right? And... Um, all of a sudden, you know, his, you know, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, he's like, you know, he's, I guess he makes a signal, you know, like, are you going to get on with this? You know? yeah. so he's like, are you going to finish up? Yeah. Right. So he finishes up. Then Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani sits down. He starts to dars, And all of a sudden he starts talking about, you know, a mother. I forget if it's a mother. Someone comes and she and, and they place a plate of food and the door is open. Right. Uh-huh. And they place a plate of food on the ground and a cat comes and they eat and it eats the food. Yeah. The 
the students are crying. <laughs> <laughs> the students are tearing up, and the and the son is like, he's amazed. He's like, you know, like what what is going on? So Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani says, you know, they learned the lesson. Right, mm. the plate of food is the knowledge that you have. The door that was left open was the was the was the crack that was left in your heart, and the cat was shaitan that came to eat the food. Oh, right, subhanallah. and so this is where I understood this wisdom that knowledge in itself, right, it comes from the heart. Yeah, whether you intellectually understand something yeah. or you don't understand something, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's why there exist atheists who know Ashari kalam better than yeah. Muslims do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yet they don't believe in Islam. There's that woman, right? She does the TED talk and she does the entire Sira and she translated the Quran, yet she doesn't believe in Islam. Right? Unbelievable. She's just like, Oh, I just did it for the fun of it, right? Translated the whole Quran by Still myself. Really weird. What's wrong with people? <laughs> yeah. And this you have is where a hobby? <laughs> That's their hobby. And you can have as much information as you want. That yeah. doesn't mean that that information yeah. has penetrated Ooh. your heart. Yeah. And that's something yeah. to understand with ilm al-ghayb, with the yeah. knowledge of the yeah. ghayb and, and the understanding yeah. of the ghayb. When, when, when you consider... Like, uh, what's your occupation? I'm a professional Islam studier, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> they call them Islamists. Yeah. They call them Islamists. Right? Yeah, when people were shocked when Raza Aslan said this, right? Yeah. That he was he a, Well, he was a... He has a PhD in Christian theology, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were CNN, like, why do you have yeah. a... How, how can you do this? Yeah, when you're not a Christian. But yeah. Muslim, but there's Christians that do this all the time for Muslims. Right. But anyways... He was a Christian for a while, though. Yeah. yeah. But um, but it, but the point I it's wanted still, to make about that, I'm right, sure, is yeah. the idea... He still thinks Jesus wasn't crucified. Yeah, which yeah, means... Right. Salam. Wait, wait, what did you believe? He thinks that Isa al Salam was not crucified. I mean, was crucified. Was crucified. Was crucified. Was crucified. Yeah. Was okay, crucified. so he's not Muslim, then. I mean, you know, he's just arguing with Allah in the Quran. Yeah, so he's Muslim, Right, Masalabu. Right, if he says that, and I think I saw him say that. I've right? seen him say it. It's in his books. Right, that's, that's what, what he believes. believes. He thinks that right? Islam is right, except for Allah made a mistake on that one. It really okay. was Jesus. Masalabu maqatalu, walakin shubhalehum. It's the ayah of Quran. And how is he going to come back exactly? Allah alam. Because Quran also says, "Wa yukalimun nas fil mahdi wa kahla." He speaks to people in the cradle and as an old man. You know, this is why people think our podcast Prophet, is crazy. Prophet Jesus was never an old man. Because they all know it and they're thinking it, but they need to be told. This yeah. guy is, believes that. Yeah. And he's got shows and, and Twitter is, accounts. And, and let's not be, I mean, how flower power are we going to be that we allow people to argue with Allah? Unbelievable. Say, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a difference of opinion. Yeah. Unbelievable. You can't have ikhtilaf with your creator. Yeah. Like, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> it just, I don't understand what kind of deen that is. Yeah. We're not, not his. I'm talking about the ones who go... Oh, but he's still a good advocate for the Muslims, and he's our brother. Yeah. What, what are you related to him? Because yeah. what, what other basis do you have for brotherhood? <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the whole issue of academia, the epistemology of a moment. You have to take that with you to academia, right? Like you, you're you're working in the courts. Yeah, you have an epistemology. You have a a God who's t- who gives you the laws. Doesn't make a difference if the USA comes and tells you. Deem this person guilty or innocent, right? This is what we were talking about right at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. That's why I've never practiced. Yeah, because you're going to have a conflict eventually, right? Eventually you're I have to have go against what my Lord has Because ruled. as a Muslim, you have to take your deen to your job. In other words, you have to do the halal and haram. And you're not allowed to do something haram because your job told you to do it. So if you're going to go into academics and say, well, I need to leave my religion out the door and just use my senses, then, sorry, not a mu'min. I can't, I can't, Translate it any other way, right or wrong. Because if you're a believer that Allah is watching at all times and He's not to be left at the door, then even on the job, right, 
whatever Allah says is still going to be true. Right. And whatever, and if Allah says something is true, and right. all the scientists are telling you, no, we don't have evidence for that, we tell you, you guys are all wrong. Yeah, and Until in, you learn more in evidence. In the instant case, we're not even talking about on the job. This is outside of the job. It's yeah. just his, it's his firm it, conviction. It's fir- fir- firm conviction. So, I mean, uh, tell me if someone believes in something that the Quran clearly says the opposite. The Quran, not a minor hadith, not hadith ahad, anything like this, right? Right. Quran, the main book, the only source, right? And you're telling me he believes in the opposite of what's clearly in it. How is this Islam? There's no interpretation on Jesus, alayhi salam, not being crucified. So to, to take that on, right? And also you're denying all the mu'mineen then in that case, in your yeah. theology, your twisted theology, and also the that he early, comes back. And also that early group of Christians who were saying... At that time, we're saying, in, in fact, the, the history books of the Christian, the Christian history books recorded as saying that the people were saying before the blood was dried on the ground, that they were saying that was not him. So there was an early group of Christians that recognized and said, and this is recorded in their books, before the blood had even dried on the ground, yeah. that they were claiming that that wasn't him that was crucified. So there was witnesses to this miracle from among his yeah. followers. So that they could have serenity in their heart. That their great prophet was not crucified. And then Allah just confirms it, confirms yeah. it 600 years later in the Quran. And, and this is exactly when people say, well, they're an advocate for Islam and Muslims. No, they're not. We want advocates for Allah and His prophet. We don't need advocates for Muslims, right? We got people, we got a Turkish sheikh who has, says the most brilliant thing. He said, Islam used to be about Allah and His messenger. Modern wow. Islamic wow. movements and activism is all about Muslims and using Islam to improve our dunya. And using our Muslim identity to negotiate our space in the, in this world, right, mm-hmm. and to live a good uh, material life. So not all advocates are advocating for the right reasons. So if someone wants to advocate for Muslims, I don't accept all advocates, right? We don't need an advocate for you and I to go and live a fun, uh, a nice, fuzzy life. How much better are you going to live than twenty first century America? Yeah. It's fine even as, as Muslims, it is. where people sometimes don't yeah. like you. Yeah. Yeah. The Prophet <laughs> in the Sirah, you never find people advocating for them to have a good life amongst the kuffar. You have them advocating to speak the two, truth. You have them advocating to stop worshiping pagans, uh, 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 idols and pagan gods. You have them focusing on Allah and His Messenger. That is the identity of the early Muslims. Their identity is that it's Allah and His Messenger. We are His servants. That's my identity. I serve Him and live and die for Him. But the current Muslim is, it's me and my God happens to be Allah. And you know That's wh- the big problem. You know why, Sheikh? It's exactly the topic of that Moeen brought up. It's because they're living for the seen yeah, and not the unseen. Exactly they're living it. for what exactly. they can touch completely and feel linked with and the not concept for what of the they unseen. can't see and exactly. can't feel. Yeah. And even though it's been promised to them if they do certain it's things. It's completely right. linked to the concept of the unseen. Yep. And, and all you see is the scene. And that's why, right, there are... For for me, reading the stories of the awliya and hearing the stories of the awliya really reinforced this idea of the unseen. So I'm going to ask Dr. Shadi, mm-hmm. um, I know since this was last minute, um, you might not have it, but is, is there a story of uh, one of the stories of the awliya or, mm-hmm. or stories of the awliya that you could recount for us? You got one? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's This is very beautiful. So there's the, the story of Fudayl ibn Iyad. Mm. One of the early Muslims, one of the early awliya. In his early life, in his young life, he was a highwayman. Right? Uh, we know what this uh, means. He yeah. was a, a highway robber. Right. He used to. He had a, group, a band of men. They would go around and they would rob people and sometimes kill people. Whatever they used to do. Mm. And then he fa- he repented. He found the deen. He actually became one of the ulama of the Muslims, like one of the great ulama. So much so 
that even though he lived far out outside mm. of the city in the outskirts like practically the wilderness he had like a hut out there right because he was living this aesthetic pious life the people used to brave going out there even though it was dangerous and one of the dangers is that there was like wild animals in the area mm. and so but people would go yeah just to take a hadith from him or just to take lessons in fiqh or aqidah from him because he had become so great so the first miracle is that Allah took this person who was the worst mm. right and completely turned him around to be one of the greatest people of his society, right? And we see this repeated over and over and over again. And even in America, like look at the story of, of Malcolm X, right? right? Who goes from someone who's committing crimes and by his own admission is doing all of these things and he wrote it down in his book, so it's okay to say it. Mm -hmm. And then Allah turns him around and first places him with a heretical group, but that gets him one step closer and then eventually places him within the fold of Islam, right? And so much so... That this guy who would have been just a petty criminal, or mm -hmm. even if he was a mid or high level criminal, he just would have been a criminal, despised by most, maybe celebrated yeah. by some few fools. He's now one of the most beloved and respected people and in the Ummah. He's got the thawab of many men who entered Islam and women who ended up becoming Sunni Muslims. And they're now on their third and fourth generation. Uh -huh. All and those, is, their deeds will be in his skill. And ulama, like uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Farouk Abdullah. Yeah. Became a Muslim after reading his book. And so many people have read his book and, and, and recited their shahada. And right? yeah. in 20 years. This is Baraka. This is, this is Karamat. Yeah. That year after year, people pick up his book. And people from all races, by the yeah. way, pick up his book. And when they're done with it, they go find the masjid and they say, Ashadun la ilaha illallah, Ashadun la ilaha This is Karamat, right? But so Fudayr ibn Iyad, radiallahu anh, had that. Then there's even a more, like what we think more interesting and more uh, impactful. So one day a group of people came to see him, right? Students of knowledge. Um, and they had their lesson or they took the hadith that they came to ask him about. And then they, they, they left. And within a couple of minutes, they, they were back banging on his door. Mm. So he opened the door. He said, what is this? I thought you left. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they said, yeah, she, there's a lion. It's blocking the path. And we're, we're too scared. So for there, this is a man who's tough, Right. Physically tough, not scared of anything. And now he's really not scared of anything because he only fears Allah. So he walks out and he goes, come on. He takes them out. He sees the lion and he says to it, yeah, Asad. And the, the lion perks up. And he goes, I'm a messenger of the messenger of Allah. SubhanAllah. And I told you before not to, not to bother my guests. SubhanAllah. And the lion just turned around and left. Unbelievable. SubhanAllah. Right? Like reminding SubhanAllah. him. What's wrong with you? I thought I, I thought I explained this Subhanallah. to you. And you know that some people, you know what some people, they get very negative in what they say. They say, okay, we're saying Fudayl ibn Ayyad, why not the Sahaba? Do you know that Ibn Omar has a story like this? Of course. Ibn Omar himself has a story where someone complained of a lion and that he went and spoke. And I don't want to quote it because I, I don't have it uh, 100%, right? But he actually spoke to a lion and said, well, leave, don't harm and abuse the Muslims. And actually, the lion was roaring back words to Ibn Omar, right? Mm. Was like talking back to him. It's unbelievable. Omar ibn Khattab wrote a letter to the river Nile, to the Nile River, yeah. right? Yeah. To say, he said that it, there wasn't flooding. They complained to him. He wrote it a letter. He wrote a letter to the river. Unbelievable, right? Rise up. Yeah. Flood so that they right. can rise and, up. It's going to come to me either way. And by the way, the governor that he sent it to, who's also Sahabi, I yeah. can't remember his name. Uh, Amr ibn As? Maybe. Yeah. He didn't say, this is ridiculous. Yeah. He went and he, he, he said, the woman did this, yeah. and he, he threw it, it in, and the, and the river flooded. Yeah. And, 
What is this? this oh, is, subhanAllah. This is the only mess. Unbelievable. Yo. Allahu Akbar. Uh, uh, Alex is showing me a picture of a beautiful... This is Sheikh is in Africa, Sudan, Morocco, yeah, yeah, he's Nigeria. African, West Africa. Uh, West African Sheikh. He's got a big turban and he's muhannak. Muhannak means he wrap, he's wrapping the turban under his chin. Malikistan. Which is the Maliki style, the way of Medina. And Imam Malik used to wear that all the time. He's got a walking stick in his left hand. And on his right hand, he has his hand... On a, I guess this is right on the the mane of a lion. Of, an, of a lion. He's guiding around a lion. Could you make this? Put this uh, somehow in the comment section or something. <laughs> this I want. I want. This is this is what I'm talking about. Full sunnah from top to bottom. Flowing white garbs. Flowing clothes is from the sunnah. No. Right. It doesn't have to be a specific type. But as Sheikh Yasser Fahmi said. Every religious people or of the Muslims and of the ulama and all the prophets, they wore flowing clothes. That's what uh, is prophetic clothes. He has a walking stick. His thobe is above his ankle, right? And he has a big beard and he has a lion. Unbelievable. And this is an old picture. This is not like something. Yeah, it's uh, like 100 years old. Yeah, this is like a 100-year-old picture. Do you know the name of the sheikh? I don't. Unbelievable. SubhanAllah. Well, th- didn't you tell us a story of... Uh of um, a man being thrown inside of a like oh a that's the story of a thrown sh- inside of a, a yeah. prison uh, who was this this was Sheikh Abdul Hamid Kishk and that's a big misbaha too is that what it is yeah. oh that's like a huge we'll have to share beads this. on his uh, neck yeah, we'll have as well. to share this picture oh this is a beautiful picture man and lion especially is just like if there's going to be an animal that puts the fear of God in someone, it's going to be the lion. Yeah, that's an, you know? that's an atlas lion. The, yeah. the, the breeder. So what, what was that story? This story is uh, Sheikh Abdul Hamid Kishk. They, uh, a lot of, uh, his, his, one of his sheikhs at some point was thrown in jail during one of the secular revolutions. Right? Uh, well, during one of the secular revolutions, his sheikh was uh, thrown in jail. And uh, they basically had they had some dogs right they mm-hmm. had a dog a german shepherd and they starved the der- german shepherd for three days right in the in the cell next to him then they took the german shepherd and unleashed it on the sheikh right think about this barking rabid german shepherd the soldiers are working it up angering it right and they unleash it on the sheikh and they shut the door Right, they didn't have cells. They just had a door. They shut the door because they don't want to see what's. They don't want to, right? Then all of a sudden the barking stops, right? So they're like, "Oh, he's chewing him up," right? Barking stops, and they wait and they wait and they wait and they finally they open up the door. The sheikh is in sejda and the dog is guarding him. <laughs> yeah, and, and and even a part of that story, I think they like asked the sheikh. Yeah. Later. And he was like, I was more concerned oh, because I yeah. wasn't sure if the saliva <laughs> of the dog would make my wudu valid or not. Yeah, and that was the story of Sheikh Shibli, who was set a lion set upon him. Oh, that, yeah, that's that another Sheikh. That was Sheikh Shibli. Uh, previously, a lion was set upon him by the local ruler, right? By the local, and the Muslims listened about this, but what they care about Sharia, they cared so much that they would sacrifice for their life for it. So they, be, their life, not as a suicide mission, as to <laughs> die, right? Yeah, Just yeah. to die, not as a suicide mission. So uh, Sheikh Shibli, they set a lion upon him, and uh, the line, it so happened that the lion was about to eat him, and he wasn't saying anything, and, and he said, My only concern was I couldn't remember the ruling. I was trying to find an analogy <laughs> on the saliva of a lion, right? He must have been Shafi'i, 
right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they have uh, the dog saliva or Hanafi or Hanafi, Hanafi yeah. right? That the dog saliva is uh, uh, dog saliva is najis. So he's trying to make an analogy. Is this analogous to lion saliva? Right? So that was his concern. Subhanallah. And what I want to tell people is you want to be all act uh, do, doing stuff in the world, right? He loves acting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we are going astray by following blindly these things. Because, I, I mean, like, I've seen people on Facebook in the last week saying that how any imam that's not out there marching with them in the streets yeah. is like, like neglecting, <laughs> neglecting of his, of his or duty or something. Yeah. What, is, what, what job you, is, what part of the job is that? Yeah. Yeah. What did you send me the one day? It was like somebody commented like, oh, this activist has done more for Islam. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, and then, oh care, then, then care, then care, <laughs> this wow. um, all these organizations together in the wow. last, in the last 30 years. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a like, person who's like done, Almost nothing of actual <laughs> consequence. <laughs> well, lie, almost yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's all it's all uh, snap face and it's yeah. a chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, what yeah. are you saying about uh, the what cut I'm saying off? is we 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 will succeed. I think your response as, was just LOL. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> we as Muslims uh -huh. will succeed by the barakah and acceptance of Allah. Where have we forgotten who is the powers in whose hands? Allah. Right. It's in Allah's hands. How are you supposed to? This is who you work for. You want to be, say, I'm going to go out and do good? Okay. You work for someone. You work for Allah, Zawajad, right? Or you, you're trying to. So do the job right. You cannot, you're not going to succeed. Not now, not later, right? If you're not in line with the one whom you work for, right? And Malcolm X, radiallahu anhu, qaddasallahu wa right? Wa jannah. Malcolm X did not live to see the bulk of his good deeds. Right, right. He did not live to see it, right? He died not knowing. Did he have an impact? He definitely didn't have the impact he wanted right. when he died. Who dies at 40, right? He only worked. He came out of jail at 27. He only worked 13 years. All this of Malcolm X, he worked 13 years, right? And in the last two years, he was basically attacked from all sides, mm -hmm. right? And that's why he didn't have so many speaking engagements that he was able to sit down with... Uh, uh, Alex Haley, right, and and read him the book, right, right, and the bulk of his work actually took place after he died. Yeah. This is what we call baraka, right? That's what we call baraka. And s how many people? Fudail ibn Ayyad, he didn't write an autobiography. He didn't write a bi No one wrote a biography yeah. about him. People wrote their what their experiences with him after he had died, and they still reach us. This is called baraka. It was only going to come to us. This is how a Muslim succeeds when we are obedient right, to our master who's in charge. We're working for him supposedly, right? If, we're, if you're not working for Allah's sake, then you're not, we're not talking to you, right? Yeah. That's obviously, you're, you're in another dimension, the universe at that point, right? You're in another zone. We're talking to people who are claiming or trying to work for Allah Azza wa Jal. How are you going to work for him while disobeying him? That reminds me of a, of a quote that I've seen floating around. It's like something like uh, society grows when old men plant trees whose shade they know they'll never uh, lie under. Mm -hmm. Subhanallah. Right. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. 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 Was that like... Uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember who said it, but it's Frost or something? Yeah. No, well, I've seen like it's It's, it's yeah. older than that because yeah. I've, seen, I've seen it as like 
you're planting an olive tree. Olive tree right. takes a oh, long yeah, time, yeah, right? Exactly. And so you see, an, someone sees an old man planting an olive tree and goes, "What are you doing that for? Yeah, you're not yeah. gonna, you're gonna be it. dead before it ever gives fruit." Yeah, and he goes, "Yeah, but ahead. I was eating the olives of people who exactly. did this for me." Yep. Yeah, Subhanallah. I mean, and we we got to get back to uh, all of our work has to be done from a standpoint of who is the. I don't want to say it, in a, but just in any in anything in any place when you go to do work, you can ask questions. Who's the boss here, right? He's the one who's going to set the terms and limits, right? Who is in charge of this work, right? It's yeah. Allah. And you know, Shaykh, and, and that's along that same vein, you also cannot be working from a place of fearing other than Allah. Mm. If you're that's being motivated it. by fear of anything, you're not other suitable than Allah, for the job. Then you just got that. You have to step back and let somebody who's not exactly. afraid. Because it's a prerequisite, and you can't say I'm speaking to power, and that shows that I'm not. Fe- because if the reason you're speaking is because you're fearful yeah. of other than Allah, then you know. Oftentimes, yeah. speaking to power is very popular. It's a popular thing. You're not speaking to power, right? When not it's when like everybody's a, cheering you. Exactly. Yeah. You speak to power, and there's thirty thousand people in front of you, yeah. right? So, That's you not know, right. It's not. Uh, so, it's like uh, the Malcolm X T-shirts. You know, this mm-hmm. is meaningless yeah. after he's become a yeah. fad. The Che, right? yeah. the che T-shirt. Che Guevara, and he's and he's yeah. like has got an internship with Goldman Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm anti-establishment. Yeah, man. anti-establishment. He's in Princeton, right? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna now. Uh, although we're hitting a good amount of time, I still want to talk about one specific thing, right? We talked about karama, which to even the normal, like, empirical-minded person seemed normal. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, a man was worried about his uh, wudu uh, when a lion came to eat him. But there are also karama, which break the rules of physics, which Mm -hmm. break, you know... Uh, the empirical understanding of yeah. the world mm-hmm. we have, yep. and we yeah. need to believe in but, them oh, we as have to well. In you know, yeah, going back to Very what important. we were talking about Very originally important. about the idea of cause and effect. As far as we're concerned, if you're if you're buying in, if you believe that everything is a direct consequence of of God's intervention in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Then really, it's not a suspension of any logic. Uh, that's right? exactly yeah, that's it, correct. It, the it's not a, the it's not a suspension yeah. of any logic. It's business as usual. Yeah. It's just. The, the result you were expecting didn't happen. That's it, the only or difference. Or it happened in a different... Exactly. Course. You sure, Sorry, you sure you're not reading again. like Tufta's I know. <laughs> <laughs> because of the, uh, uh, the creation... Shake's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Shake's sad. He's reading like Aki the books in his brain. I mean, I mean, there's nothing else to do with Verizon. I mean, there's... Verizon. Uh, Verizon. <laughs> The funny thing is, you want to know what is Ver- that your no, Verizon is the merger of the words uh, Veritas and Horizon, like the truth horizon. Isn't oh, that what crazy? is this? Some kind of like Isn't that crazy? thing or something? Yeah, right. What is that? Yeah. They thought they were going to be one of the big four firms <laughs> yeah, at, yeah, at the know. end of civilization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you thought you were going to make it to be like a legendary one of these occult firms that people like have legends Sucker about. Ridiculous. It's not working like that. Yeah. You're on like Route 27 <laughs> and Route 1. You're not a big exactly. deal. You're not in Silicon yeah, Valley, some crazy. kind of level. Such a pretentious name. Anyways, anyways. Sorry. To go back to, we need to also believe in these, right? And um, there are examples of these. People think that they're far fetched, but I'd like to hear hear from you. There are examples of just like this. Very important stories like this. I mean, for we have in the Quran itself, right? We have babies who spoke, right? Right. And and the the Sunnah itself. For example, from the Sahaba Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, was one time. 
took Hassan al Hussein were playing with the Prophet. Sayyid Fatima sent with Abu Huraira a message, like she saw Abu Huraira passing or some somehow, and she sent him, Can Hassan Hussein come back? Okay. And uh, Abu Huraira, he comes to the Prophet and he says, Oh, Master Allah, it's getting dark, and Sayyid Fatima would like Hassan Hussein to come back home. Very normal so far, right? So the Prophet said, it's a moonless night. There's no moon out. He sends with them Abu Huraira, uh, Hassan and Hussein. And Abu Huraira narrates and tells us the entire way there was illumination on the road. All the way home. Illumination. Another Sahabi, the Prophet sent two Sahaba on a mission, right? And it was very late when they were going back home, right? And there was no moon out. And you know, back in those times, there could have been a dog, there could be a snake, there could be a thief. Or it could be a, 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 they're at war, right? Right. From with the kuffar, there could be a scorpion. So when there's no light, it's actually a big problem. There could be a ditch that's ten inches, and you break your ankle, right? So they needed some. So they walked, and when they, they narrated this hadith, which is in Bukhari, they narrated that they saw orbs hanging, the entire way, Allah and Allah. when they split, the orbs split with them. Wow. As if angels coming in the form wow. of orbs, right, to light the way for them. So this, is, this, so this is directly from the Sunnah, yeah. right? Directly from Sahaba. And do karamat and, still, like this, still exist And today? it still happens. There's a sheikh in Fez, uh, a karama was told about him, not that far away, not that long ago, right? Muli Arabi al-Darqawi, a karama has narrated about him, that um, he once entered into a home, right? The door of a home was, was left ajar. Right, and he stormed into the home. Right? No, you know we know that that's not the sunnah. You have to knock. Right? right. As he stormed into the home, a baby fell from the top balcony, and he caught the baby. Allah, right. Allah, Akbar. That's... So by by Sharia, what he did is correct. Because if you know a baby is about to fall, you don't need to ask anymore. You could right. walk into uh, any place to catch a save a life. Right. Right. So what he did wasn't against Sharia. Right. But he, we would say we have to see it with our eyes or hear it. He actually received it in another way somehow, right? He walked in and he saved the baby's life, right? So, subhanAllah. By the way, uh, just to add to that, people believe in unseen concepts all the time. They just don't think that they're unseen, yeah. right? Think of any abstract concept you could come up with, right? Love or, or any, you know, pain. <laughs> yeah, pain. Or, only, or right? the uh, presidential uh, statistics <laughs> polls. Yeah. Polling, exactly. right? Exactly. Unseen. Yeah, People ex- really exactly. had faith in those polls. They're yeah. crying. Right. Right. Yeah. And so so whether you recognize it or not, there's certain unseen things that people buy into every single day, you know? So, I mean, we're working with the unseen all the time. I mean, the uh, microwaves, I mean, collecting solar energy through panels. Right. All this is not seen, right? Wi-Fi is something unseen. Most kids today ask kids today, how does Wi-Fi work? How does the internet work? Yeah. They say you type stuff on the computer and it comes up. Yeah. Right? Oh, this is a good example. It's completely good unseen example. to them. I think I may have brought this up before, but this is a perfect example. So Wi-Fi, right? It exists. I can get on my phone. I can go online. It's like, or 4G, whatever. So now look at my cat. I have a cat that walks around the house. It has no idea. That this exists. It can't yeah. even conceptualize yeah. of what any of that is. Yeah. It knows who I am. It knows that I feed it. Yeah. It knows that if it comes up, yep. and, you know, I'll start petting it on the neck where it likes. And yeah. it'll, you know, it knows all that stuff. Exactly. I'm safe. Yeah. It knows all that kind of stuff. It understands a lot. Yeah. 
It knows what it wants to eat. It knows what it can't. It knows what it can't eat without yeah. even having to taste it. It yeah. just sniffs yeah. it and it goes, "I can't eat that. That's yeah. not good yep. for me." It could never understand these higher, right. yeah, just and plain which doesn't physical deny that yeah, exactly. And that even applies, like, right? There's something where if you where go, where we are, if yeah. you go back far enough in time and you show them some some sort of technology that we have today, if you go back a sufficient amount of time, like mm-hmm. if you go back far enough, they'll think that technology is magic. They, yeah. they will think it's yeah. magic straight they up. They'll, they'll be like, "What yep. is this? This is this is yeah. some conjuring." I've always right? thought. I've always thought, and there are two things here. But first, first thing is. We actually have some dissonance in our uh, modern theories. Is evolution is telling us like we're like not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But empiricism is telling us we're the only source of knowledge. Isn't this like a uh, dissonance, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you go to what do you, what do you mean? I'm, I'm empiricism, like evolution, is telling us basically we're not a big deal. We're just like one out of many right. possible accidents, right? Yeah. But when we talk about knowledge, right, it's in a secular you. sense human knowledge and human experience is the only true yeah. right s- source of at certain knowledge right. right or wrong in science right. that's it you can't come in science and say well there's an unseen force right no but wait why does all knowledge begin and end with me with us humans when in the other biology class we were just told that we're basically some kind of accident yeah and we're no big deal yeah just a really what about, so this is dissonance what about like dolphin knowledge does that supersede yeah, human no. knowledge then yeah it's exactly like, so this know? is complete dissonance between <laughs> the two things you know, yeah. complete dissonance. Well, and that's where, um, right? I I would actually argue that there are some people who would say we don't know if dolphin knowledge exceeds our knowledge. We don't know anything actually. Yeah, but those people <laughs> won't even be accepted by the scientific community. By the those way, those are the uh, Adria. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I said this here before when I was having a discussion with someone who was arguing with me about the existence of God, but the scientists absolutely believe things that are just based on faith and in fact it's absolutely it's because they need to reinforce their their religion right yeah so like the we've talked i know we talked a long time ago about the multiverse the multiverse theory has no basis in anything scientific yeah except that it answers the question how can it possibly be that all of these uh bound all of these numbers all of these figures that Mm -hmm. have to be in balance for Mm -hmm. a, a human life to exist on earth yeah how could that? It's impossible. Like yeah. sort of to, one 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 scientist described it as like a tornado hitting a, a junkyard, yeah. and the result is a fully functional seven forty seven, right? right? Yeah. So it's not possible. So so the only answer is well, it happens billions of yeah. times. So and this you, is the so one water it down. Worked. Exactly. So you water it down. You, it's, so it's a made up. It's so, a made up so story. Forget f- mm. just even forgetting that. Like w- w- keeping that uh, uh, on one side, you look at empiricism, right? In in the scientific community, they already accept things that are not empirical right so like i'll give you an example i majored in math so math is completely logical it's completely abstract there's no empiricism any proof any mathematical proof that exists is purely logical like you can't like yeah i don't know if there's there's listeners out there there that are are, yeah that that are like up on their math but if you were to take like a if somebody asked you to like prove the limit of of you know one over x to infinity there's no way you can you can prove that empirically yeah. by plugging in numbers or until the, infinity. Or the Pythagorean right? theorem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These 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 theorems are, are proved purely logically uh, based on deduction, right? And, it, and and there's nothing empirical about them. So scientists already accept stuff that it, that isn't empirical. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That I I never even thought about that. So technically, yeah, you're right. So like Absolutely. the yeah. concept of a limit. Yeah. In reality, is a, prove it? is a deduction. Yeah. It's not. It's yeah. not empirical at all. As a matter of fact. By the way, they also, they, you know that the speed of light is not an actual constant. 
right. it changes, and that doesn't work for the math. Yeah. So they actually just set an, a constant. They were like, let's just, we're just going to call it this number that it is this year, mm. and we're just going to leave it at that because it's too hard to do math when wow. you don't have a, a, a constant speed of light. So they just decided to. It was, yeah. It's a judgment. Again, yeah. that's not empirical, though, because it's right. not reality. Yeah. They're not dealing even with the reality that they can observe because their observed reality is that the speed of light changes. And that's why, like, it's important for Muslims to realize, right, that what we understand as the empirical understanding of the yeah. world is in itself not empirical. Yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Right. And, it, and, it, and it's not a complete picture. I think that's mm -hmm. the, yeah. the important thing. Right? Yeah. It's not a right. complete picture. And you have to look at, by the way, also the research of like Richard Sheldrake, right, yeah. Dr. Richard Sheldrake in England, who has done tremendous studies on like uh, mind, like like what we call parapsychology, right? Like people's minds oh, being able, right? Yeah. But like actual published in scientific journals, like mm -hmm. he does double blind, the whole bit. He does the whole scientific method and comes with results that everybody goes, wow. I can't believe that's not so, really. Uh, by the way, scientific method invented by Muslim. Really? Mm -hmm. Who is that? I don't know, but I'll look it up. After you're done with your popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> that, was most, that was like one of the most ghetto. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll look it up, homie. Yeah. That was like one of those ghetto proofs, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know how like, some of the college kids come up and say stuff stuff like that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, like I'll look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like... Uh, Shakespeare was a Muslim. <laughs> Shakespeare. Shake the people say he didn't even exist <laughs> see this is and this is why like muslims really need to get out of this like oh like i need to touch it feel it this mm -hmm. is the this is the way of like the it takes honestly. a lot of iman right to do things the right way when you don't see right the direct uh thing that you want to see you want to see a result tomorrow but sharia i might tell you don't take this route take the other route and you say that route is not going to produce what i want now sheikh hamza sheikh hamza yusuf i heard him once say mm -hmm. That if you don't Ibn believe... Ibn al-Haytham. Ibn al-Haytham? Yeah. Read us, uh, when did he live? Iraq? Baghdad? Um, yep. And what did he say? So, I mean, he, he, he came up with this, this the, what eventually became the scientific method. Which is? Like this step of... This, this, the hypothesis. The hypothesis, yeah, this process of going through a hypothesis, then testing it, then validating that hypothesis. Yeah. So, he's credited with formulating that entire okay. framework. Okay, wow. So, so Wikipedia... And the West have given him the credit, so we should, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so Sheikh Hamza Yusuf said that um, if you don't believe in karamat, mm -hmm. you won't see them in your life. Subhanallah. And if you accept karamat, you'll see them constantly. Subhanallah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And this is something that it's really important for Muslims to understand that there are people, right? There are actually like healers, mm -hmm. doctors yeah. who rely only on the Quran as medicine. Subhanallah. Right. There was one that came to MBIC. Right. They would yeah. read like and there's people like this. You know, I've heard, you know, in my family, like somebody will come if you're like you have a stomach ache. You recite that you recite this ayat mm -hmm. of the Quran mm -hmm. X number of times and your stomach ache will be gone mm -hmm. or your headache will be gone or this and that. People think this is this is this crazy, actually this is this truth. Is, yeah. I've this done is, this in my life. Yeah, this is actually um, an objective science. Quranic medicine is not the hocus pocus luck. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an objective science. There are certain verses that speak about certain elements, right, uh, in the body, right? And that's why when, she, when you said Sheikh Yahya said, recite Surah Quraysh, because at the end of Surah Quraysh, it says Allah is the one who secured them from fear and fed them from hunger. Right. 
right? Mm. So there are reasons. And there you can't always isolate just that one ver- word. You need to recite the whole surah, right? So uh, it's actually an objective thing, healing by the Quran. And that's where like people think all this stuff is, like, especially nowadays Muslims. I, I, I would argue that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, this was actually not a problem in the Muslim world. Yeah. Right? You go, even today, you go to a village in Morocco, I say this all the time, you ask a grandmother to do something, she'll do it blindly. Yeah. Right? Uh, believing in the unseen. Mm-hmm. Now you go to a college kid right here at Rutgers and say, hey, you know, you have a, you have a, you have a headache, you know, recite this. They'll be like, what are you talking about? I have to take an aspirin. Yeah. Right, I have a great, yeah. great, great story for this. Mm. And it doesn't even have to be one or the other, right? These things are not mutually exclusive. Oh, they're not mutually exclusive, and like, we're people, told people, not to. People think that there's be a just dichotomy yeah. between, like, oh, you can either believe in, like, medicine and science, or you believe in religion, and it's one. It's a one or the one or the other pro- kind of proposition. Yeah, it's silly. And it's and it's it doesn't make any sense. You know? Right. It's obligatory to take the means. Right. And it's obligatory to believe that they don't have effect in of, in and of themselves. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we were coming back from Canada many years ago, post 9-11 though. Um, we, I was rolling with a bunch of Sufis because we had just come back from Sin Sheikh Noor oh. when he was in Toronto. And we got detained at the border, of course. There's a car full of Muslims. <laughs> um, and so we're there for a long time. So it was getting time for Salatul Asr. So we didn't even say anything. We're like all sitting there in the waiting area. They're taking people one by one. Across. So we just got up and you know we, we went and made wudu if we needed it. And then we, all, and we just prayed in Jamaat. Right there in the in the border patrol station, right, um, and then we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and still it was like it was like getting on four hours. So I went up to to the people at the thing. I was like, "Listen, oh, actually, right before that, we decided we were like, you know, if we're here, we might as well just do a latifia, right?" <laughs> so we were about to start doing like loud dhikr and just reciting yalatif over and over again, and in a group, and it was like uh, more than half a dozen of us, so it would have been loud. Um, <laughs> So we were like, all right, we're going to do a Latifia. And we were like, that takes like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it is. So I went up and I was like, is there like a pizza place we can order from? Because we're getting hungry. It's been a while. <laughs> and the, the, the border person was like, the officer was like, uh, yeah, you guys are almost done. You're, gonna, you're about to leave in 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> so that was it, right? So what is that? Is that a karama from Allah? We were about to just call on Allah who Latif. SubhanAllah. And even we, we made the it. decision to do it and that was it. It was granted. Unbelievable. And there was no there was no end in sight to it, but all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's over. Don't worry about it. Wow. I mean, so that's it, why the mu'min his intention is greater than his deeds. Right. That's a hadith of the Prophet But mu'min niyatuhu khairu min amale. So niyatul mu'min khairu min amale. The so, other part of that story that's important is these were the CPB people, the ones that everybody was 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 talking about this last week, the ones that yeah. stop you at all of the entrances, and there's no reason to show any fear in front of those people. Mm-hmm. Be proud to be a Muslim. Exercise your religion, exercise your rights, and let Allah fix it for mm-hmm. you. Because only Allah can fix it for you. You asked about some of these karamats of contemporary times that were totally um, breaking all the norms of life and cause and effect. Omar Mukhtar, the famous uh, warrior against the Italians, <coughs> he was in jail. And this goes to show you real both karama and fiqh, like true understanding of the nature of life. Omar Mukhtar used to be seen every night praying. He was in jail. He was put in jail, right? He would be seen praying outside in the middle of the night, Allah. outside the jail cell, right? Then he would go back in, right, to the jail cell, right? And he would say to people who asked him about this, he said, 
in the middle of the night for tahajjud, there was no water in the cell. I had to use the spout that was outside the cell. Allah. So Allah, they, he basically had a karama that he could open the lock and walk outside. So then someone said, why didn't you leave then? He said, because I knew this is the, sun, the sunnah of life or the, uh, uh, the what Allah has me doing. Karama is not a game to play with life. Mm. Allah has me put in jail, right, for a reason. Okay, we're not going to break out of it for that reason. And the karama crazy. was just so that he could yeah. do tahara. Karama was for that's, for tahara only, not right? for escape. Like, not to escape. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's like who you know who, who can you think of today that would be, that their principle there would be that principle to be like you know what I'm going to go back in the cell yeah. afterwards. It's because it's because he knows it's not going to work. That's why he was right. doing karama. Yeah. Yeah. Right. he wouldn't have because he knows it's not going to work. Karama is for for the for the tahara. Right. But you are an example for the people. Yeah. The example doesn't flee jail. He faced right. your, en- uh, yeah. your, you know, your end. This is a, what Saad said is another point of cause and effect mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Right. So does Allah grant karamas to people because this is what they'll do, mm-hmm. or are people this way because of their karamat? Yeah. Right. right. So like it's like the dua uh, before the the battle of Badr, when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam spent the night in dua. Was the victory because he spent the night in dua, or was the victory yeah. coming to them because right. they had a prophet who mm-hmm. would do dua all night, yeah. even if Allah yeah. guaranteed him a victory? Yeah. Uh, Quran right. also tells us that in the battle of Badr, when the angels came down, Allah says, "We didn't you send the angels down except to give you peace of heart." In other words, Allah doesn't need the angels even. Of course. SubhanAllah. Only to give you peace of heart that all these angels are being sent down. SubhanAllah. And it's all about effort. And all these things, I'm telling you, this deen is, requires effort. It's very simple in theory, but requires effort. There, the, the sheikh that we talked about the other day, he was an old man, not even a sheikh of ilm, just like an old man. Okay. And he, sometime, and when he was in his recitation, when he would do his recitation, he would look up and he wouldn't see a ceiling. He would just see straight up uh, and he would see Allah malaika. Akbar. Allah Akbar. Right? <laughs> he was asked, he, uh, what about himself? He said, I'm nothing but a regular Muslim, but I put effort. He puts effort. So karamat, for people to know, these things exist. And just the story, it, it strengthens the iman of people. This is not a hocus-pocus thing. This is something yeah. that strengthens the iman of people when you see that happening. And there's the greatest of karamas. There was one time um, a sheikh who spent... Uh, something like 20 years with uh, uh, with his teacher. Young young man spent 20 years with his with his sheikh. And a man came and they a guest and he had many karamas like what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. So uh, his student then was troubled. He said to him, Sheikh, I always believed that you're from the greatest mashaykh. And tell me, he has all these karamas, but I uh, you know forgive me for asking why I haven't seen anything like this from you. Right, and the Sheikh said, "Have we ever, in the twenty years you've been with me, not prayed Fajr in Jama'ah in the Masjid?" Subhanallah. Have we ever prayed any prayer at home by ourselves? Have you ever been with me and we missed a Sunnah? So what is a greater karama than that? Every single prayer for twenty years in Jama'ah in the Masjid, and this is a karama. I'll tell you why it's a karama because there are many valid. Normal reasons to miss the salah. You could be sick. You could be uh, helping someone. You could be traveling. At every salah they've prayed in jama'ah in the masjid. That is a humongous karam for 20 years. And he's never missed a sunnah. And other mashayikh, they say that they've never seen for their entire life them doing a makruh. Something makruh. 
These are karamas. And I got to tell you something else. When somebody is able to pray in the masjid, all five prayers, not miss Salat al-Fajr yeah. for years. Years. Not wake up for tahajjud every night for years, right? If you deny that that's a karama, then you're saying Allah has no cause and effect in your life and you yeah. can do anything yeah. by your own yeah. effort. Right. You can just do all this because of how great of a Muslim you are. Yeah, exactly. The oppo- you either have to ascribe that to arrogance. the miracle of Allah yeah. or you have to say, I'm so great that yeah. I don't need Allah's right. assistance in yeah. this. SubhanAllah. And so, the one thing I just quickly want to add, I think ultimately what it comes down to, and I feel like a lot of people are going to say things like, well, I can't admit you know, that, that these things happen or these things exist because you know people are going to think it's absurd and they're going to think I'm absurd. But what it comes down to is, if you believe at the core that there's there's God and He's capable of anything, then then all the rest of this stuff naturally follows. It shouldn't That's even exactly be a problem it. to reconcile any of the other right. uh, you know perceived absurdities. Mm-hmm. It should all be, you know what? You know, it, it happened because yeah. there's a God that's all powerful. Subhanallah. Exactly. And, and Allah yeah. creates in two yeah. two ways. He creates through cause and effect. In other words, He creates through something, and then He creates something right after that, so that you don't go crazy. Yeah. Like I'm hungry, eat. Right. Right. I want to burn a book, put it in a fi- in a fire. If uh, snow comes down, it means it's cold. If it wasn't like this, if He didn't create simultaneous things like this. We would go crazy, right? You if, could never yeah, navigate the yeah, world. You could never yeah. navigate the yeah. world. If snow one day meant that the world is hot, yeah, right, and a sunny day meant right. that the world yeah. is cold or whatever, or eating being, meant meant that you would get thirsty. Or being a man meant being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Sad in the house, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't have our podcast without dropping that. I know. In there. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it. the world is. That's why. That's why Trump is happening because of this insanity. Yeah. Right. And it's one of the signs uh, of the, the end liberals of time. allowed and oh, pushed, and that's why Trump is coming for everybody. For, Punishment from Allah. But for people <laughs> that think that we throw this in gratuitously, yeah. it's yeah. one of the signs of the day of judgment. Oh, right. totally. No doubt. Like qalbul <laughs> haqaq. It is literally one of the signs of the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. So for Muslims who take it lightly and they go, mm-hmm. "Well, I'll just let people be whoever they are, and they're oppressed and feel bad for them." You're encouraging the end of the world. Yeah, basically, there's a big red button, <laughs> and you're pushing, pushing it. it. Yeah. Exactly. It's not an exaggeration. Like I'm serious. Like you're saying, when is the job going to show up? Yeah. And when can I follow him? Subhanallah. You're basically approving of something that is his tool. So one of the major yeah. signs. So with, with the, the asbab is the simultaneous creation of two things right after the other. So Tylenol, then my headache gets better. Mm-hmm. So this is asbab. But also, Allah is not limited to these asbab. Right? He's not limited. He's a creator of that system in the first place. He's not limited to it. So therefore, that's what a karama is. Or a, 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 a mu'ajizah of a prophet. So if Allah wants the Red Sea to split open, then it splits open. You know? And it doesn't it's have to simple. have some, some, some scientific yeah. explanation. Right. Well, all of like the, the training. Or so oh to my gosh. All of these trainings, right? Oh, they, they say like, okay, the wind came. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Tell no, me. That was the argument. I saw at that. At that moment, the wind just came at that moment when they're being pursued by the army of the yeah. Pharaoh. Yeah. That's the only time in the history that one wind <laughs> came. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. To believe in that, what, you might as well believe in God. Yeah. Right? That takes so okay. much faith to believe what in What kind of wind is so strong that it yeah. parts Splits the a sea, sea right. but it For, doesn't knock over the people crossing it? Yeah. <laughs> and, it knocks over, and it knocks out their enemies. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it, and, like and it, it closes at just that time. And there are certain things today that we might think are impossible that who knows in 100, 200, you know, however many years, 
it becomes clear as mm-hmm. to why they were possible, right? If you told people 200 years ago that you could, you know, communicate with anybody across the world, yeah. you could see their face, you could talk to them. Skype to China. Yeah, they'd be like, what, well, what's wrong with The Prophet Wasallam actually said that that would be. Right. Mm. That a man would, would, would uh, his leg would tell him what's going on with his family. There you go. There you right. have it. And I mean, if you went back to 100 years back and you told someone that you could Skype and talk to your grandma in um, Karachi or what have you, right? If, if it was 1986, not 100 years ago, 1986, yeah. right? Because I remember that way back in the day that um, someone saw saying in the house that eventually you could talk on the phone and see the picture of the person and be like, oh, come on. Yeah, you right? used to watch no the Jetsons, right? The Jetsons. Like, oh, yeah. The Jetsons yeah. were Skyping. Yeah. Was Skyping. FaceTime, baby. <laughs> uh, and here's something I always thought about. If you, uh, let's say everything got obliterated, right? In like one of these movies. And then we're fast forward and let's say it's like the year 3000 or something. Yeah. And people are living total different epoch, right? And then the archaeologists of that time are actually discovering our stuff. Like cell phones, or discovering an iPhone. It is a piece of glass, right? And he's discovering literature, right? And then there's probably some wackos, right, in the scientific community who have this bizarre theory that you could actually uh, that they use these technologies to talk to one another, right? And this guy is considered the the nut job, right? He's considered like uh, uh, the way we are considered when we believe in karamat and majizat. Yeah. They consider us nuts and crazy, right? right? Someone in 100 years from now who believes that human beings right now, they're talking into a mic, they're downloading the sound into, a, into another heap of aluminum, and, and then, you on your heap of aluminum are listening to us yeah, talking two days later. through the sky invisibly. Yeah. Throwing it into the sky invisibly, yeah. right? And you, 30 days from now, yeah. can still listen to it. And that your voice is being transmitted in multiple places yeah. at the same time. Through such small little devices, yeah. right? Through time. Through yeah. time, yeah. 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 And you could be underwater in a whatever vessel or in yeah. the sky in a vessel listening to it. All this stuff, it, let's say in a hundred years or a thousand years, you could have people out there saying, you know, we can't accept this type of theory in our university, mm-hmm. right? That you actually believe that humans used to do this, yeah. right? Yeah. We believe that in the time of Suleiman, that one of the Sahaba of Suleiman, through Dhikr Allah, was able to transport the throne of Bilqis. Right. With a blink of an eye. Was it Sahaba or he was his Sahabi? His name was Asif, right? His name was Asif. You I, see someone I named this was Asif. A jinn. No, no, it wasn't a, there was a jinn and a and a human who was a Sahabi. He said, "I could do better." The jinn said, "I will do it before this majlis is over," right? Another Sahabi said, "I have more power than that," right? I could do it before you blink your <laughs> eyes. Inshallah. I thought the, I, I always thought that that was another jinn, a more powerful jinn. No, 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 no. It was Asif. His name was Asif ibn Barkhiya. So I'm not going to take us down this whole side road. Yeah. But, okay, so if you look at the pyramids, right? The construction of the Great Pyramid in Giza, nobody, they still don't know how it's done. Yeah. None of the theories actually make sense mathematically or engineering-wise. It's just, mm-hmm. it's weird, right? It's completely weird. The position, the, 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 how precise some of the cuts are. The at, wind. Yeah, yeah all, all, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So you can go, you can spend months just deep diving on this subject. That said, it's definitely older than the, the British Egyptologists claim, like 5,000 BC. Just the water damage on the Sphinx alone indicates minimum 30 plus thousand years. Wow. Maybe longer than that, right? Probably that. closer to 70. Mm. Here's what, and there's other stuff. There's like, there's this thing in Turkey that's like this, a massive city um, that was just dug up not that long ago. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but also tremendous engineering, right? And how, how are people doing this? 
Allahu alam, right? What we do know is that there was a, a massive volcano, like a caldera, that exploded in Indonesia, and it wiped out almost all human beings. Um, left like something like 7,000 on the entire earth, who then repopulated, and then we started over again, right? Technologies, knowledge, learning, civilizational knowledge has been lost before, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It could happen again, and then people will look back and go, well, what is this? Yeah. Yes, the, oh, the, thought, yeah. the thought that every single scientific knowledge is preserved. Right, for all time. For all time, and the future generations will have it, is actually betrayed by the, uh, the things that you just talked about. Yeah. Right. Type of things like the pyramid. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we, I think we're pretty smart. We this can't figure out yeah. how they did it. Yeah. Right. Like, how did they take those humongous... Um, Oh, the thing into, I think it's called Tegelope Pepe That's actually Kepi sure if you like think that. about it because Someone's knowledge is not going to exist for all time. I can't remember how the name is. Only God is going to exist for all Wait, time. Wait, that's shirk that to yeah. think knowledge will exist for all time. Because yeah. no, only like, God yeah. exists for all time. <laughs> By the way, I've heard Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi uh, say that actually the time of the Prophet ﷺ was the most advanced time in all human history and and not just in terms of religion and government and sociology and you know psychology, tasawwuf. Not just that, but even in technology. Mm. Like, had they wanted, had that, pe had those people wanted what we have, they could have had it. Yeah. And they just had the wisdom not to do it. Mm. I right? think... Uh, I mean, like, look at the life... And I did a study on this when we were doing the class on the Sahaba. How many of the Sahaba and Sahabiyat lived over 100 years? Right. On average, way more than people live over 100 years now. So they knew more about health and nutrition, mm -hmm. obviously. They were even better bodied. I mean, yeah. we couldn't even do a quarter of what they did in one day. We would collapse. Right. I mean, they were these were just walked just to get water, right? I mean, look at the civilizations that uh, happened under Sayyidina Umar, mm -hmm. like this is not knowledge of normal people, yeah. right? So right. they were the most advanced, even yeah. in technology, but they knew better than to so, pursue yeah. certain technology. Also, they had uh, when you have a balanced system, when you have a balanced system, you you're not going to have a uh, you're it's not going to look like you have any massive achievement, but you're balanced, mm -hmm. right? And that's what, uh, when a lot of people talk about, oh, Muslims, why don't you do anything, right? This is so naive. Muslims, a lot of practicing Muslims are doing stuff all the time, except we are balanced. We do stuff for your grandma. That's, I mean, you got people, a lot of these people who do this uh, uh, stuff that's all out on social media, they're not balanced people. Like, they don't have spirituality to worry about. They don't have, uh, fam they're not big on family. So a lot of people out there who are yeah. greats, supposedly greats and heroes, like Gandhi, well, okay, look at his son. What kind of hero is he? Mm -hmm. When he's, when, what kind of hero is a person when the guy's son is driven to the point of alcoholism and suicide? Gandhi was a racist, yeah, like a virulent racist, mm -hmm. right? Who used to use the equivalent mm -hmm. of the N-word for, yeah. for black people in South Africa Selling them, <laughs> throwing them under the bus in order to secure rights for Hindus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy. I mean, Whatever. So, and, he, and he was a Catholic. So these heroes that people have, supposed heroes. <laughs> I mean, if they had to do uh, a fifth of what every, a common everyday Muslim has to do, right? Because that's what we, we need to keep yeah. society balanced, family balanced, right? They wouldn't be able to. Have, well, this is why you can save the world when you're in college, because mom and dad are paying the yeah, bills. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have a job. In 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 uh, <laughs> Tibet, no, nobody needs you to come home at the end of the day. <laughs> there was something about uh, a mountain climber in Tibet, and someone said to them, "You Americans, you try to climb one mountain in your whole life, but you have no other life. You have nothing else. We here in Tibet, we look at a balance of things so that our civilization can last. Right? right? Our civilization lasts a long time." 
right? But um, uh, we in the West, we try to be prima donnas of one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is very common. You know, it's very common. A guy will devote his life to just one element and be completely imbalanced in everything else. Society is not going to last like this. You need to have balance, right? So society can move on. But, um, uh, yeah, I think we're hitting like two hours now. So, uh, and we're going off topic. So I'm going to wrap it's it up all here. the same topic. So I'm going to wrap it up here. It's all interconnected. So we, we started going off into activism and then it just, it just goes downhill from there. So, uh, so inshallah, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Dr. Shadi, Alex, and Saad. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.